Hey everyone, so wanted to come on here real quickly, and I'm using my phone to record this, that's why it's a little slanted in the background. Um, I wanted to give you a quick recap review of the premiere episode tonight, or yesterday I should say by the time you watch this, of Vice TV's collaboration with uh, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and his production company, and that of course being Tales from the Territories. This one of course, it was entitled Memphis, where wrestling is real, or where wrestling was real, or something like that. And um, the, the setup, I would say, is very similar, I would say, to, to what you saw with um, Table for Three, if you will. As well as very similar to what you're currently seeing with WWE Rivals on A&E. Very similar to to a point that you can almost say that, you know, uh, Vice uh, took inspiration or The Rock and his company took inspiration uh, from both WWE Productions or WWE A&E Production when it comes to Rivals. Um... But anyway, uh, the the first story or the first episode I thought was all I thought was pretty good because, you know, you know we we look at Dark Side of the Ring and we're like oh well, we didn't know about that we didn't know about this and all that, you know when it came to some of the infamous moments of people like Nick Gage, New Jack, um, you know FMW, Benoit, you know, um, Pillman, you know. Owen, all, all those kind of stories. Um, but here with Tales in the Territories, that you know, they're just you know sitting around talking about you know stories that you may have heard of and you may have not have heard of, and some of them are really interesting. And you know, one thing that obviously we kind of knew about at the time, you know, back then in the territories. Uh, was the fact that some some fans, if not a lot of fans, depending on where you were located at, took this legitimately. They took this wrestling business legitimately. They they basically believed everything you did in that ring, or what you said in the promos. They they took it very seriously. And these guys and and, and the round table basically consisted. And I like the atmosphere too. It's not like you know like like with rivals. It's like it's in an office. It's a darkened office room if you will or it's kind of like table for three what's in a restaurant a pseudo restaurant whatever you want to call it here it feels like it's in a it's in a warehouse setting or something like that to really give it a bit of a grim atmosphere you know like you know this is this is legit this is down to earth kind of stuff and um you know the the people they had for this episode were jeff jarrett his dad, Jerry Jarrett, Dutch Mantel, the uh, former, um, you know, Zebekiah, or, um, yeah, the former Zeb, Zeb Coulter, if you will, Zebekiah Coulter. Um, they had, like I said, Jerry and Jeff Jarrett, they had Dutch Mantel. They had Jimmy Hart and they had Jerry the King Lawler because they were back in the early portions, you know, of the 80s, late 70s, or throughout the 70s and into the early to mid 80s, 
they were basically focal points of Memphis wrestling. They lived a lot of what, you know, happened there. And there were many, there were many stories that, well, I wouldn't say many stories, but there were some interesting stories that they told here where, like I said, fans legitimately believed what happened, you know, in, in the wrestling ring or in the promos was real. They believed it. Um, for example, Jimmy Hart, you know, he he competed in a six-man tag. And, of course, he was the one that lost for his team. But as one of the guys that he was managing at the time called the Dream Machine was taking him out of the ring, carrying him over his shoulder, somebody, some fan, blew a blow dart right into his butt. Right into his butt to the point that it did cause bleeding and he had to go and get a tension shot uh, at a local uh, clinic down the road. And But that wasn't the only one either. Uh, there was a story where Jimmy Hart was managing the Iron Sheik at the time in Memphis. And, you know, because they wanted they wanted to make it seem real. Because one of the, one of the things they had hanging in the office wall was, or in the office in Jerry Jarrett's office, I think, was personal issues draw money or something like that. So, you know, basically making it make it seem as real, if not legitimately real as possible. So Jimmy's doing this interview with the Iron Sheik next to him, and he's talking about, you know, and Iron Sheik, of course, is doing his thing, and, you know, Jimmy Hart's raving the Iranian flag. But then what they do, what they do is... Um, one of the guys, I don't know if it was Jerry or somebody else, I got, I got to go back and watch it again. But he says one of the television crew members on Jerry's payroll, as Jimmy Hart is doing his promo, making it, you know, getting as much heat as he can, talks about one of the helicopters, one of the U.S. helicopters going down in Iran earlier that year. And they intersliced the footage, you know, while Jimmy Hart is talking. And... At the same time, a, I think a family, mostly a father and a son, you know, uh, were watching this, and they see what Jimmy, they see what's, you know, they hear what Jimmy's saying, and they see what's intersliced, um, or interpli yeah, intersliced with his promo, and they're not too happy because they had somebody that had, a, you know, a, a son, a brother on that on that helicopter that went down. So they're not happy. So they call up the station and they live not that far from the station. And they say, we're going to come down there and we're going to go and shoot and kill Jimmy Hart and the Iron Sheik. And, you know, they basically doing the reenactment show that these guys got their guns together, went down. One of the secretaries there, Dottie, called up the, you know, basically uh, let Jerry Jarrett know what was happening, called up the police, said, hey, we need you guys down here immediately. We, you know, we don't know if it's a threat or something. And the police had a substation, which was not that far either from the studio. They came down and basically Jimmy, you know, his, while he's finishing the promo with Sheiky, you know, looks and sees these cops. And as soon as him and Iron Sheik go to the back, the cops say, you just stay here. We don't know what's going on. But what happens is the son stalks, according to what Jimmy Hart kind of described in the reenactment kind of showed, stalks Jimmy Hart, you know, because he wants to kick his ass. Because of what Jimmy Hart said and stuff. 
So, yeah, to show that the realism that the fan, the realism of wrestling to these fans at the time was legit, you know, for two guys to believe, you know, to truly, you know, see and believe what Jimmy Hart was saying along with the Sheik and all that, to do what they were about to do, yeah, it's a scary thought. It's a very scary thought, but here's what's crazy, though. It's not just the fans either. It's also the territory and the promoters at the time. Um, one guy, I think his name was Roy Relch, um, was, I guess according to what they said in, in the discussion, was going through his was going through the stages of Alzheimer's dementia. Basically, his career as a promoter was running down. So, he uh, basically, you know, is getting told by people whispering in his ear, you know, hey, Jerry Jarrett's trying to muscle in on your territory. He's trying to take over your territory. He's trying to steal it from you and all that. So, what he does is he gets this ruggeded, journeyman of a of a wrestler of a veteran wrestler called Mario Galente Mario Galente who basically is described as having a great if not terrifying bad guy face like Ox Baker they showed a picture of Ox Baker he had a legitimate face that could be looked at as villainous and scary and all that this Mario Galente had one that pretty much I think they kind of described it as being surpassed Ox Baker's and this was, this was, um, you know, a something that I don't think anybody even knew about. I mean, well, you probably knew about it if you watch stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw on the YouTube channel, you know, because uh, Jerry Jerry talked about that about a year ago, a year ago next month. Um, but I think you know he left out some details. You know the. The the uh, the mic wasn't working too well with for his interview with uh, Briscoe and Bradshaw, but you know I, I recommend watching that. But I also recommend watching this first episode because you get more detail of what happened. Because what occurred is Jerry Jarrett is the babyface, you know Lawler and Dundee are the heels. Well, at least Lawler is the heel at the time, and Galente comes in after the match. At and socks Jerry Jarrett in the back of the head. Now, Jerry Jarrett doesn't know it's Galente until he looks up. He's thinking it's Sam Bass, who basically knocked him for a loop, if you will, gave him a goose egg on the back because of it. But then he looks up and he sees it's Galente. So he decides, okay, you know, obviously something's up here. You're not supposed to be here. You know, why did you do this? So obviously he sees that Galente, you know, uh, wants to do more harm. So what he does is he gets up and he's looking and he's going back to his old Salem Moran, you know, teachings. And he basically gets up and instead of going for the hand, which is the weakest or the, the neck or the head or whatever, or the, you know, the, uh, learned, or the, you know, the throat, if you will, the, uh, w w what's the word I'm trying to look for? The, the lariat, the, the lyrics, uh, the the lyrics, if you will. Instead, he goes for one of the things he's taught that's one of the weaker points on the body, and that's the eye. So he goes, according to what he says, and the reenactment shows this, he describes the fact that he goes up to Galente and wham, puts, the, puts his finger right in his eye and tears 
his eye out. Literally, basically pulls his eye out, or at least, I guess, loosens it, or however which version uh, you want to believe. But he basically says he tore the eye out to the point that, you know, Galente later on had to get stitches in the head and in the eye. He basically, most of, for the rest of his career, only lived and wrestled, you know, with one eye or something. Um, but anyway, Galente, of course, was bleeding from it, and he left the ring. He went and got a club, a nightstick, a baton, a baton that basically Lawler would keep on him because of, you know, the way the crowds were and everything at that time. And he went back to the ring, and instead of, you know, using the baton, instead of going in the ring regularly, like going over the ropes or in between the ropes, he rolls under, which was a mistake because that allowed Jerry Jarrett to, as it's talked about and reenacted, to basically stomp on him, get grab the baton, hit him with the baton, trying to basically almost, Jerry Jarrett says, almost try to kill him, because, you know, uh, Mario Galente, I guess, had this reputation of, you know, he wasn't just a journeyman's veteran wrestler, but he was also someone for hire. So what happens is, you know, Jerry Lawler and Dundee, you know, helped get Mario out of the, you know, basically beat Mario Galente out of the ring as well. And Lawler's like, well, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be the good guy. If they see me saving a baby the, this baby face of Jerry Jarrett, it's going to make me look like a baby face. I need to fix that. So Lawler gets on there and says, hey, I don't need Galente's help to beat this SOB, you know, into submission. I'll beat Jerry Jarrett on my own. So anyway, what happens, like I said, is Galente runs from the ring. He goes to Roy, he goes right behind Roy Relch and According to Jerry Jarrett, that's when it kind of clicked in his head that Welch was behind this. That Welch is the one behind this. And he goes to aim for him, you know, to strike Welch. And that's when I think some of the wrestlers come out and they say, don't do it. I think I don't know if it was, uh, I don't know if it was uh, Ox Baker or somebody, or Deluke, Joe DeLuke or something, come out and say, you know, hold him back and say, don't do it. Because, you know, of the fact that he... He, by seeing Galente go behind well, she's like I said, he kind of put two and two together and realized, you know, he's behind us. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to, you know, end my career. He's trying to end my life or something. But then what's crazy about it is after Galente gets stitched up and everything, he, you know, Lawler's in the opening match in another town, like, I don't know, like a couple months later or a few weeks later. And Galente comes into the ring. Lawler's wrestling this uh, guy, this young talent local talent, I guess, who suddenly sees Galente. He gets out of the ring. Lawler's thinking, what's going on here? He gets decked in the back by Galente. Galente's wife is with him, and Galente has like a razor blade, and Lawler's just running to the back. He gets out of the ring, runs to the back. I, I think Briscoe said, not Briscoe, but I think uh, Jerry Jarrett said something along the lines of, um, you know, in the interview he did with Briscoe and Bradshaw, you know, he said something along the lines of um, Galente's wife having, like, a, a gun on her or something. I don't know if he's mistaken that for Valiant. Because what happened is Lawler goes to the back, tells him that Mario Galente's there with his wife. I don't know if he has a razor blade. And what happens is Valiant goes to his, uh, goes to his bag, pulls out a mag, uh, I guess they call it a, 85 Magnum or something, pulls it out, and as soon as Galente comes in, he aims it right at Galente's head. 
getting ready to blast his head off. And Galente basically backs off, not wanting trouble. But what was crazy is the sheriff of the town at that time was there. Um, and he showed up asking, what's going on here? Galente tried to say, oh, he's trying to shoot me. And, you know, just a difference of stories. And all three of them get arrested. And apparently after that arrest, they didn't see Galente or Welch ever again uh, until I guess they heard they had passed or something. So really interesting stories. And like I said, some you probably didn't even know of. I guarantee you, Solomon Monster does a review of this this Sunday on the Sound Off. He's probably going to admit that he didn't, he probably, he's probably, for any of us that follow Jason, we're probably going to know, he's probably going to come out and say, yeah, I've heard, I've heard these stories, but I didn't hear it to this extent. So, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, inter these stories are really interesting. I mean, they even talk about some, they even talk about, of course, the ribbing and stuff that they would do and, and everything to each other. Like, um, they said, uh, something along the lines of, uh, Togo Yamamoto, whatever his name was. Uh, had this tiger, hot tiger bomb that he would put on his skin, you know, on his, on his uh, shoulders and on his knees to kind of make it feel better or whatever. And they decided to play a prank by putting it into Jerry Jarrett's underwear. But Lawler being, well, not Jerry Jarrett, but Jackie Fargo's underwear, you know, Togo and, and Jarrett, that is, put it into Jackie Fargo's underwear. And Lawler being loyal to Fargo because he, you know, uh, brought him into the business. Um, told uh, Fargo when he after he got out of his got to the back after his match and did his shower said don't don't put that on don't put those on and Fargo's like why and then basically Lawler spilled the beans so Fargo decides okay I'm gonna give him a taste of his own medicine so Togo and Jarrett come back from their match and everything and I think there was two out of three falls or something like that so they would go to the locker room rest up go back for the second fall so then they come back out to the second fall, clean up and everything, get on the road. That's when they start feeling, you know, the effects of the Tiger Bomb because because Fargo is pretending like it's affecting him while they're in there. And they're cracking up thinking, oh, we got Jackie Fargo. But instead, he ended up getting them. And that's when it dawned on them that Lala had spilled the beans. Uh, so it was really... So yeah, the, this episode overall with these kind of stories was really really interesting really fun really fun to watch and everything uh, they even talked about how Dutch Mantel uh, wrestled uh, at a maximum prison with um, they had a show at a maximum security prison and that the guards that you, know, you would think would be at ringside to protect them from these inmates uh, would you know would be at ringside but no they were outside guarding of course you know like the, in the usual post um, and then if that's not enough, what I didn't even know about, I, and then, you know, I'm just thinking about it. I think maybe I saw it when I was a kid. I just can't remember until I saw the footage. I'm thinking, did I see, I was like, I know I saw this, but when and where is what I was wondering. But anyway, what it was is they had a match. Him and Jeff Jarrett had a match. Detrimental and Jeff Jarrett had a match. Um, you know, um, basically, you know, as part as part of the ending for a PBS special of you know of symphony music, sympathy music, uh, symphony symphony music, uh, they had a match 
to end it. Basically, it was going to be the closing segment. And, you know, basically the music would basically go along with what they were doing in the ring. So you had all these different instrumental sounds. Like you even had a drill being used as an instrument and all that. But you had the, you had the drums, you had the pianos and all that. Just, you know, going along with what they did in the ring. And it got to a point at the end where Detrimental grabs a drum from one of the drummers. One of the drummers is trying to take it from him. He knocks the drummer down, bashes the drum over the guy's head, I guess tosses him in the ring. And but and this is enough, I guess, for Jared to take advantage to do a sunset flip and, you know, get the win. And then the lights just go out. And what's crazy about this, and I know Jeff Siegel, OTRS Central, uh, the Slag Daddy, He's going to hate hearing this. That match, that sympathy, that wrestling match they had at the end of that symphony, you know, on that, that PBS special symphony, if you will, on symphony music and all that something. I know Jeff Siegel's going to hate this. But that match, according to Dutchman Tell, is, you know, in the Methstonian institution. Him and Jeff Jarrett are the only two wrestlers right now in the Macedonian institution because of that match. And because, you know, because of that match on that program. And I guarantee you, OTR Central, when she finds out about this, you think he hates Jarrett now? He's going to hate him even more now. <laughs> He's going to hate him even more. And I say that with all due respect, Jeff, but you're going to hate him even more. Uh... But yeah, overall, the, the like I said, the episode was pretty good. They even talked about the, and I think we've heard about the story, you know, the waffle knife fight with Randy, Randy Savage, and a, a guy that worked there that came in and said, was announcing to his co-workers, hey, I just got married, and everybody's congratulating him, and Randy's just like, you know, just waiting there going, you know, like this with his fingers on the, <laughs> going to, going to, um, I think it was uh, Jerry Jarrett, you know, Randy's just waiting like this, you know, just tapping his fingers, wanting to be served. And of course, you know, all hell broke loose kind of almost there in a knife fight to where the cops got called. Randy tried to, I guess, explain to them that, hey, the guy's getting away. He's the one that pulled the knife on me and all I'm trying to do is get them to eat. And it got to a point that basically they sick the canine dogs on him and one of the canine dogs bit, bit his ass. Literally took a chunk out of his ass. So, so yeah, it was, to me, it was a good, so to me, hearing stories like that and, you know, basically giving us a mixture of some, you know, like scary moments and hum mixed in with some humorous moments and stuff, I, I thought was good. I mean, they even tell a story how Jerry Lawler basically pulled a prank on Kamala, making it look like, making him look like he was a cop pulling Kamala over because Kamala was speeding past him in his new call and he wanted to just play a prank on him and you know, it's just, again, just an overall good uh, mixture of stories between these guys. Was he, was he a fan of the Jareds or Man Mantel or Hart or, or uh, Jerry Lawler? Uh, I, thought the I thought the episode was really well done. And again, it's kind of a more, I guess you could say almost more grittier just by the atmosphere uh, that they present this in. More grittier uh, version of... Uh, a more gritty, a hybrid version, if you will, of, you know, WWE, A&E's Rivals, and Table for Three. You know, it's basically, it's a, it's a hybrid of those two 
with a more grittier atmosphere. But and um, yeah, they they didn't shy away from a lot of these a lot of the things that described in the story with the reenactments. I will say that. I will say that. So uh, I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna watch it. You know, it's not you know it's not on par with Dark Side of the Ring, but you know, give it time, it might be. Um, but I'm definitely gonna be watching the next episode the next episode is going to be talking about Andy Kaufman or focusing mostly on Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler's uh, time in the um, you know in Memphis so it's going to be like a second part and then the third episode is going to focus on the AWA you know um, basically battles in the Midwest or something so and then whatever they come up with afterwards I, I think based on the poster I think based on the poster, uh, from what I can tell, and the poster will be used as a thumbnail here, so you guys can see see it for yourselves. Um, but based on the poster, it looks like they're going to be talking about other people like, uh, let's see. Well, obviously they're going to talk about Abdullah the Butcher. They got li that lined up. Uh, oh, Sullivan and his satanic, his satanic, uh, group in Florida, they're going to talk about that. Um, of course, I think they got the Kempateria, Kempatera, uh story, where, you know, he's, uh, I guess, causes trouble at McDonald's or something. So they're going to talk about that. Um, they got a lot of stuff they're going to talk about, so it's definitely something to look forward to. And uh, the Rocks production company is Seven Bucks, you know, production, so like I said, it's going to be something to uh, really, really look forward to, um, you know, in the near, in the near future. Again, like I said, the next one's kind of like a second part to this, where they talk about Andy Kaufman's time there, and then the third one's on the AWA. So, again, cannot wait. Uh, I, I recommend watching it. Like I said, it's not, it's not a, it's not, it's not, you know, Dark Side of the Ring. It's not on par with that yet, but I think give it time and it will be. It just potentially will be. But yeah, that's all I really wanted to say on it. Let me know what your thoughts are down below. Comment if you like. Live chat during the premiere. Like the video. Super chat super stickers are open during the premiere in the live chat. And super thanks afterwards as well. Check me out at BW Roses Discussions. All your favorite audio podcast locations except for Pandora. Where you might get an audio podcast version of this uh, down the line. As well as check me out at Vimo at BW Roses for content you can't get anywhere else here on YouTube. As well as check me out at Venmo at Brian-Warmer-2 and at Cash App at BWRoses98. Also check out the Teespring store. Also check me out at Patreon.com. says BWRoses with a $1 or $3 tier. But until next time, guys, let me know what your thoughts are down below and in the live chat. And I will talk to you later, but I highly recommend watching this. If you want to hear stories that you may have heard about and may not have heard about, or maybe don't know the full story about, I do recommend Tales from the Territories.